Welcome to Commerce Chefs, a quirky and thought-provoking show for future-focused commerce leaders. We're going to pit the world's most brilliant, inspiring, and driven D2C visionaries, the Commerce Chefs, with riveting questions to uncover their secret ingredients at the intersection of passion, performance, and leadership in practice. For the past decade, we've led teams of designers, strategists, and digital wizards at one of the leading e-com agencies in the country to help brave brands become enduring classics. And we're here to indefinitely borrow the strategies and pro tips that will make us all better leaders and make the brands we lead better too. Hey, uh, what you chewing on over there, Tom? You will not even be able to guess. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I asked. Okay, but but just try, like try to guess. Yeah, Tom, I have no idea. Forget it. You know, fun. Okay, I'll tell you. Are you ready? Ah, branded M and M's. Huh? Yeah, they have our faces printed on them and stuff. Like, isn't that awesome? Okay, let me rephrase. When I asked what you were chewing on, what I meant was what you're thinking about, you know, not what's in your actual mouth. Oh. Well, yeah. I just said that. You know. Yeah. So, okay, since you asked, I was thinking about mobile shopping, owned marketing channels, and what's next for e-com in a handheld world. That's a mouthful. Well, you're telling me. Sina, thank you for joining us today on Commerce Chefs. Um, let's just get started uh, for those that are listening. Um, what's your name? What do you do? Where are you from? Give us the, the 411 on Sina. Actually, hey, Tom, Sina. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I'm just getting um, frantic messages from Kay saying it's not recording properly, and I want to make sure we don't get into it. Oh, okay. Ah, Kay, that's right. Okay, Cena's not being promoted, or promoted. <laughs> you're being promoted, not recorded, because you're in producer mode, yeah. Okay, now we're recording. This is perfect. Uh, just to be perfectly contrived and inorganic, uh, let's try to start that from the beginning, and... Uh, Get that I've started. become a good so, actor over the years, so I'll see if I can. That was the first time I heard that question. This was all staged. She wanted to hear it twice, Cena. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cena. Thank you for joining us today on Commerce Chefs. Ah, oh, boy. Um, yeah. So we'll just start what with morning. intros. Who? What a morning! What fun we've had already. But uh, yeah, would love an introduction, Cena. It's so good to have you here. Um, Give, uh, give our listeners a little insight into who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Absolutely. Tom, thanks for having me. My name is Sina. Um, calling in live. Longtime listener, first-time caller from Marina Del Rey. <laughs> and I, you know, I just wanted to take a moment and give you a shout-out and the PB&J team. You guys were one of our first agency partners to join. And you had such a belief in what we were doing that I wanted to do everything that we could to make sure that uh, the trust that you had given in us would be rewarded and would be reciprocated in every way that we could. And most importantly, that your clients would be successful. And it's that's been the case. And just really grateful to uh, have your early support. Now we've had a we have a much more mature agency program and dozens of agencies on board. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was part of that validation early on that really helped us out. So thank you for that, man. 
Oh, really appreciate those kind words. Uh, we see something awesome out there and we definitely want to shout it from the rooftops to anybody we can and we will continue to do so. Um, and so speaking of Tapcart then, um, tell us a little bit about the story of Tapcart. I know you're one of the co-founders. Um, I'm personally very interested in, in this sort of origin story side of things, but um, yeah, share, share a little bit for us if, if you can. Sure. So I have an interesting backstory. I launched one of the first iPhone apps back in 2008. Not a lot of people know that the original iPhone came out in 2007 and it had no third-party apps. So there yes. was no app store even. So every app on the app on the iPhone was an Apple app uh, for better and often worse. Um, <laughs> if <worse>. you look, <laughs> the whole humorphic <laughs> design that they had going on back then and all the trends, it was a necessary evil, I guess. But there was no Instagram, there was no Google app, there was no Facebook app, um, there was no TikTok. The world was a very different, probably more productive place. <laughs> and that, but when Steve Jobs initially had that presentation for the iPhone, I was just mesmerized by it. And there was, I guess, enough pent up demand that they opened up an app store. And I submitted an app to Apple, which was a pop culture trivia game. <clears throat> It was a 250th app submission on day one of the app store. And it actually saw a lot of success. It was a top 10 most downloaded app for over a month. So it was getting more downloads than like the Google app and the Facebook app. And it was just a very different landscape back then because there were no, there were no subscriptions. There were no in-app purchases. There were no ad networks. There were not even push notifications. Uh, they're much less Apple pay and other things that we take for granted. So um, people were either downloading a free app or they weren't paying 99 cents for an app. And when they were, it was just like, great. I just spent months working on this and thanks for the 99 cents. But the great part was the volume. And even back then I was getting tens of thousands of downloads a day. And you can imagine what top 10 free apps are getting in terms of downloads. So fast forward to about, man, it's been over 14 years now. So I guess I'm a grizzled app store veteran at this point, but it's been amazing to see the the whole evolution of the app store from day one, which was, it was literally just signed off on. I wouldn't say it was an afterthought to Steve Jobs at the time, but I think nobody really had any, they, he did not, definitely did not have any idea how big and world changing it was going to be over the next 15 years because he wouldn't have just signed off on it in like a one sentence email saying, make sure to get it out before um, Macworld, <laughs> before this you know, pitch I have to do at Macworld. So it, it wasn't, I don't think anyone really knew at that time, but it's been a world changing device and it's been a world changing ecosystem that's been created out of apps and mobile apps. And what we saw was a big need for e-commerce merchants who traditionally to make a mobile app it's very expensive and very time consuming. And Absolutely. for all the reasons that shop, yeah. And for all the reasons that Shopify is successful, they took a very um, scattered industry and of the Magentos of the world that had different version numbers and you still had to have an IT team on your team just to manage your e-commerce platform. Um, Shopify just brought in simplicity, much like Apple did with the iPhone and it brought enough features, didn't have everything, but it had enough. And that's really what we want to offer to a lot of e-commerce merchants is this own marketing channel fueled by push notification subscribers and a way for them to connect with their audience. 
um, in a new and engaging way. And other own marketing channels that every e-commerce merchant is using include email. Obviously, a lot of merchants are dabbling with SMS. Uh, and really push is what we see is kind of rounding out that triangle of, of own marketing channels that every brand should have. I love that. First of all, um, for the the history, I, I think just always speaking with people and seeing where they came from, like how they started and, and how that evolved into uh, what they're spending a lot of time and, and you know, sweat, blood and tears uh, pouring into now uh, with Tapcart. Um, but I did want to double click on what you sort of just mentioned, which I, I think is far more important than the uh, the time in the sentence gave it. But uh, owned marketing channel, um, you know, this is a, a probably a much larger topic uh, at hand. But with all of the changes happening in privacy, in ads, in iOS 15, uh, in cookies or no cookies, or maybe your cupcake person uh, or whatever, you know, food you want to throw into the mix, which is often the case here. Um, but marketing is changing and shifting and the power is changing and shifting with it. So what opportunity in your mind does the owned marketing channel provide for D2C brands in this in this space sort of moving forward that we haven't really tapped into before? No pun intended. <laughs> I love that, Tom. You know, if you weren't busy, we're we're hiring on the uh, on the growth marketing side around all this copywriting you're doing for us. It's uh, it's it's, it's quite amazing. Sarah, reject um, his application right now. <laughs> uh, no, all jokes aside, I think its own marketing is something that every brand is doing because every brand is is has an email list, and if you don't have an email list, are you really a brand? <laughs> I'm not sure these mm-hmm. days, but a lot of a lot of brands are starting to experiment with SMS as well. And the whole concept of own marketing is more relevant and I think more of interest than ever to e-commerce merchants. And I like to relate the story of back in 2015. So just before I started Tapcart, I was uh, I just left my previous startup, uh, Test Max, which was the first test prep courses for the iPhone and iPad. Uh, still around, still a stakeholder and still doing really well. I think it was a little bit ahead of its time in, in 2010. But uh Ultimately, that experience led me to a lot of working with a lot of brands on social media marketing and Instagram. And this was 2015. So Facebook had just acquired Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, went in. He has, as you know, still, as many know, still a, a, a majority of the voting power. So he's in a very unusual position where he can, of a company of that size, he can still unilaterally make decisions. Um, and he went in and bought Instagram over a weekend for, I think it was $750 million. And there was a big outroar how much money they're spending and how crazy it is. And now fast forward, Instagram is probably worth like $300, $400 billion or something like that. So not a bad deal. But, um, but what that's ultimately led to is the way that Instagram got so successful is they lured in a lot of brands to this premise of free marketing. Here's this free marketing channel. Uh, we have all of these consumers who were using it. There's no ads. Uh, Instagram was not being monetized at the time. So they in, Facebook was not making a cent off of it. And imagine how different the Instagram experience would be today if, if there were no ads. It sounds like crazy because pretty much half of what you see in there now is an ad. Uh, but it was different and it was a fun, organic place. They were doing that because they had competitors. They wanted to get all, all of the traction possible and get it to a tipping point where um, 
it could weed out any competitors and it can help supplement, um, they, you know, essentially by cannibalizing some of their Facebook traffic. And that's ultimately what it did, but it lured a lot of brands onto it under this premise because it's like, hey, it's really easy to come and set up a Instagram account. It takes, what, an hour. You fill out a couple of sentences, you, mm-hmm. you post a couple of pictures, and then what ultimately ended up happening, which is I think the, br- the brilliance of, Mark's, of Mark Zuckerberg, he actually got brands to subscribe to his marketing channel basically take their customers and get them onto his own marketing channel, um, which is kind of crazy. So, but it was a brilliant move because it's, it's him saying, Hey, get all of your shoppers to follow you on Instagram. And now you can market to them for free. We have this great organic reach, which back then was probably like 50%. And now fast forward five, six years, organic reach has gone down to like two to 5%. Maybe it's totally like a pay to play platform. Um, It generates a third of all of, Facebook's revenue, which Facebook is a cash cow. And it is basically one of the reasons that Facebook is a gatekeeper of the internet alongside Google um, and Amazon. They're essentially like the gatekeepers of the internet from like a software and web browsing perspective. And I would consider Apple like kind of the gatekeeper of the internet from the hardware perspective. Um, And each of those has huge advantages for, for each of those parties. But ultimately, my whole pitch is there's these four tech giants that are controlling pretty much 99% of all internet traffic, both hardware and software. And they are going to continue to be they're pro- more profitable than ever. And they're going to continue to be more profitable than ever, no matter what happens. So we want to give merchants back the power. We want to empower them to take back control of their destiny in a way. Because what it reminds me of is something that Russell Brunson says. He's the, the founder of ClickFunnels, one of my favorite pieces of SaaS software. He says, you are as strong as your list. And I think that's never been more true than it is today because you have all of these, a lot of brands have these hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of followers and they think that that's a valuable thing on Instagram. But what they're starting to realize is that they basically cannot reach, even reach those followers anymore without paying money. So what's the point of all that? You put all of these blood, sweat, tears, effort, resources into building your following on a, on a channel that you don't own. And now you're paying the price for it. So invest more in your email list, invest more in your SMS list, invest more in your push notification list, and take back the control of who sees your marketing messages, when they see it, what format they're in. Um, we're all about all own marketing channels. They all have their pros and cons, but we really want to endorse all of them. And the best way to have your push channel is definitely, obviously, through a mobile app. So not, not to mention, though, now more than ever, the, that mobile device, the mobile traffic, the consumption and engagement with uh, shopping through it, um, I mean, that's higher than it's ever been. I think we're over 80 or 90% of uh, e-commerce transactions happening through mobile. Um, so, so bringing your product and your brand to your customer's fingertips uh, is more important now uh, than it's ever been. Yep, absolutely. And the numbers are even higher from a web, from a browsing perspective. So I think it was when we started Tapcart in early 2017, mobile had just surpassed desktop in terms of browsing. So it was, it had just become 51% of traffic to Shopify websites was on a mobile device now for the first time. And 49% was on desktop slash laptop. 
And fast forward five and a half years, and it's close to 90%. I think it's the latest number that we saw from Shopify was maybe 88% mobile. But the orders has not kept up pace. Um, historically, what we saw two years ago was that 83% of traffic was coming on um, on a mobile device, but only 60% of orders were being placed on a mobile device. That's a huge discrepancy. And it tells you a number of things. It tells you that, one, it's a little bit too hard to purchase that stuff on a mobile device um, for a number of reasons. Smaller screen space, mobile responsive websites being you know moderate levels of effective but yes. also all the distractions. This is a device where you it's buzzing hundreds of times a day. And it's a fundamentally different shopping experience when you're shopping on a laptop versus a phone. So if you're shopping on your laptop, uh, let's say we're shopping right now. I'm on you know, Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> Maybe I'm not quite yeah. young enough to shop there anymore. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on Buori Clothing. And, you know, I'm browsing around there and I, I take a look at a product. I'm Maybe I start a checkout and I get a WhatsApp message or I get a phone call and, okay, I'll pick up my phone. I'll look at it, go into WhatsApp or whatever, and then I'll leave, put my phone down, and then I have an instant reminder of what I was doing. Hey, I was just shopping on, you know, on Vuori Clothing. When, when you're shopping on a phone, it is extremely different. Like you have no reminder of what you were doing because you have no tabs on your browser. You don't have a separate device. Like you, you're shopping in the Safari or Chrome browser on your phone. You get a WhatsApp message. You go in there. You're, you know, wasting a few minutes on WhatsApp. Then you close WhatsApp and you're just back at the home screen and you have no reminder of what you were doing. So that's why a lot of abandoned checkouts happen. That's why we don't have that visual cue or reminder to finish what we were doing. Um, plus, shop pay was not implemented yet, so it was much harder to check out. You had to enter your credit card every time. Since shop pay was implemented about a year and a half, two years ago, there's been a huge increase in like closing that gap between orders and, and, and the traffic. Uh, but there is still a pretty big gap. Yeah, and I know I've often fallen uh, trapped to that where I've been in the process of at least browsing, uh, but sometimes shopping as well. And, you know, some one of your kids calls or your mom calls. Well, my mom calls. She calls often. Um, my mom calls. You know, yeah, you, you get you get that distraction, right? <laughs> and then uh, you, you put your phone down or you go to something else. Um, and then you're kind of scrolling through bed, closing things down for the night. And, oh, crap. I forgot that's what I was doing. All right, I'll do that tomorrow. But you're right. Unless you can really capitalize and capture um, at the time, it's it's all too easy for for that to disappear. And let's not even talk about those of us who have and some kind of attention deficit disorder. Which you know, I'll put my hand up <laughs> when you are when you have a cute when you're like sitting in front of a computer from the age of like three. Because <laughs> uh, I was at that age where it's like I'm old enough that I didn't grow up with a mobile phone, but like. My parents bought a Mac 2C when I was like two years old and I was just obsessed with it. And that's what, you know, what I grew up with. So when you grow up with all of that stimulation and clicking and whatever, it's just you naturally <laughs> cannot have a good attention span. I think it's just something that we're going to see in our in this generation of kids who is, you know, while, while their parents are having dinner, they're just in front of their iPad. It's great because it keeps them busy, but there's going to be some attention stuff that they may have down the line. Um, yeah, everything has yeah. its pros and cons, I guess. See, so, you know, I'm, cu I'm curious to know, like, when it comes to those own channels, like, it's a really interesting point about 
the attention span and the amount of stuff that's happening on our phones and, and like, I'm, I'm curious to know what you see in terms of like a world where, and maybe this is just like, you probably see it differently from, from the data and such, but like where you see even like focus modes popping up on iPhones and you see like Gen Z or whatever the cool gen is now, like going back to like disconnecting and like flip phones and this kind of stuff. What's the, do you see that eroding on the effectiveness of own channels when we're constantly trying to push those things away? I don't want another app. I don't want another notification. I love it and I'm I'm all for it. I do think that we have a bit of an information, not a bit, we have a major information and like digital overload as humans. Uh, and I am a big fan of focus mode, even though it ultimately might make my customers push notifications a little bit less successful. It's a necessary thing in this day and age because we have created these devices that are basically tethered to us and we have not done any kind of research as to the implications of these and the ramifications of being in front of a screen, being tethered to one for all this time. So yes, I'm actually all for, I love the Gen Z style. I love seeing the ear pods making a comeback, you know, the wired, <laughs> the wired headphones that I'm yes. seeing. It's like a fashion thing now. So uh, I love it and I'm all for it. And I think we do need to use our phones less. And I think we need to be tethered to devices less. That's not going to make your email list less successful though. With app, with app clips, with other things that we're doing to generate more app downloads and streaming mobile apps, there's already so much friction around downloading an app. And now that we can stream a mobile app, which you can do now, um, that's such a great advancement for us. It's like the equivalent of Netflix. If we couldn't stream a movie and we still had to like, you know, get a DVD in the mail, which literally was reality. That's how they started. What, 10 years yeah. ago. Well, don't 12, we miss Blockbuster. 12, year, 12 years ago. Yeah. 2010, no, I, I was getting store. DVDs in the mail. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those red boxes or whatever, like the Blockbuster videos, RIP. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. It seems like forever ago because we had this tip. It's like, you know how we, ha you know, we have BC and AD as a destination in time. Well, there should yeah. be also like before iPhone and after iPhone because yep. that there were smartphones before it, but that device has fundamentally changed the way the entire world works. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I have a lot of random thoughts on things that I'll, I'll put out there here and there, whether you guys like it or not. Uh, we, we love random thoughts. <laughs> it, it might exclusively be the... Um, the, the content of our conversations on a daily basis. So <laughs> they call us the random um, tandem, the random, the random tandem. Yeah. So in a, in a world where everybody or most people have access now to anything that they want through their fingertips. And we're also seeing that access uh, growing into a younger and younger demographic. What are some of the changes that you've been seeing in customer expectations as it relates to them um, either purchasing through uh, or or connecting with uh, their brands online or through their through their phone. Uh, so we have seen quite a bit of a difference in shopping habits, as we're seeing quite a bit of a difference in just general browsing habits and how people are using the internet, especially with younger generations. What what we've seen is that yes, people are using their phones more than ever. I think it seems like every year. They put out this new number and it's like 15 minutes more than it was the previous year, et cetera, et cetera. So ultimately what we've seen is that time is going up, but the number of notifications that people are getting, the number of distractions that people are getting is also going up. So 
there's really an added expectation of two things. A really fast and seamless experience that's on par with using the Instagram app. Um, Instagram has a really well-functioning mobile app. It's smooth, it's seamless, it has all the animations and transitions that you expect out of a good app. And for that reason, everyone uses the Instagram app on their phone, even though Instagram has a fully functional mobile website that has all the features now that the app does, there is a great app. So everyone just uses that. It's kind of an afterthought. So it, it relates to having a seamless experience, but just as importantly as offering a consistent omni-channel experience. And what that means to br every brand is going to be different. Some brands focus more on the retail experience. Some focus more on point of sale. Some are just all in on just transactions from Facebook ads to a drop shipping conversion and that's it. So there are a lot of different approaches, but what a lot of brands in order to stand out this year and over the next couple of years in this era where a lot of things are becoming commoditized and a race to the bottom in terms of pricing, it's how do I establish a brand that resonates and tells a story for consumers? And how do I consistently grow that brand and thus have more control over my destiny. I've talked about that a few times. What that really means to me in this world is you've got these four tech giants who control traffic. If you're successful on Facebook ads, it's, it's hard enough to figure out this Facebook ads algorithm and, and winning with Facebook ads and Google ads. But even if you can get to that point, six months later, the price of you know, CPAs could just double as they have in the last six months and you're no longer winning or an algorithm could change or Amazon could start recommending a lower price knockoff of your product. There's a lot of things that when you rely on these for-profit companies can change. And our whole thing is instead of having to like ride all of these waves and being a slave to whatever algorithms are out there, um, take control of your own brand. It's a little bit harder to grow an email list or grow an SMS list or grow a push list and get engagement. It's a little bit tougher than that than just throwing a bunch of money at Facebook ads, but it's a much better and more consistent and much more reliable way to grow your brand um, in this age where more people than ever are just being gateway to certain parts of the internet. Yeah. I, I love that. So I think a theme that, that we see a lot too, Sina, uh, that we're really advocating for in where we see the future going is essentially what you just said in, in a nutshell, which is it may be a little more difficult right now. There may be more effort uh, that's needed uh, than, than we're used to, but this is real connection. This is long-term customer relationship building work, and that's going to inevitably have more of a return for your business. So harder work up front, maybe, uh, but certainly longer-term impact uh, and larger growth potential in a real way. You know, these are these are building real customers. There's real engagement here, not just a click. I'm curious, particularly about your perspective on on the post pandemic, um, where I think, like our perspective, anyways, is you know we all saw the growth in ecom crazy, crazy, and and we thought it would kind of come back to more of a mid level, but it seems to have gone lower than maybe what we thought would stick as like habits and growth and that kind of stuff. So what do you what do you see? in the next uh, six to 18 months post-pandemic? It's interesting because I don't, I haven't lived through something like this yet. Um, I think people who are 
in their 80s and 90s can likely say that they lived through an event maybe of this magnitude, like world impacting, like a world war or a global pandemic or something like that. Um, it's hard to say because I, I can't tell you what I do know. I think e-commerce merchants are in a better place than ever because they have more avenues on which to offer like more channels on which they can offer their shoppers to shop on. Um, there's TikTok shopping now, there's Instagram shopping, there is point of sale, there is retail, there is, there's the mobile app. There, there's a lot of different ways you can sell. And fortunately, what I have seen is that consumers' interests have gone all over the place. But that's actually a good thing because with Shopify and with the availability of technology, See, all of these pandemics happened before we had the internet. Like all of these major global, the world impacting events all took place before we had the internet. So is there going to be an economic downturn? I think absolutely there is. And I, I can't speak to that part of it because I just, you know, I'm one of those people where, yes, I do believe that we're in, we, we could maybe be in a little bit of a financial bubble, possibly. Um probably more than that, but I don't want to sound the alarm <laughs> yeah. because you could say the exact same thing 10 years ago and five years ago and three years ago and two years ago. So it, who knows? We don't know. Um, but I can say from the e-commerce perspective, I think it's been a very empowering time for merchants. If for no other reason than now I can, I can, launch on TikTok in a couple of days. I can launch on mobile app in a couple of weeks. I can do all these different channels. I can see where my audience is. I can try fast. I can fail fast. But ultimately, there are a couple of channels that you should have. It should be these marketing channels. You should obviously have a website. You should obviously have email, SMS, push notifications. Um, you should explore Instagram shopping. Um, and you. But the one thing that Instagram can't offer is that own marketing channel because ultimately you and I are the subscribers of Instagram. It's, it's not, it's not anything else. So Instagram is the company that's going to monetize from that because it's not an own channel. It's owned by Facebook. So whatever these own channels are in the future, there could be some other ones, maybe shopping on your Apple watch, maybe on this rumored AR device that Apple's probably going to drop next year. I, I don't, I can tell you, I don't think we're going to go the VR route. I don't think we're going to go this grand metaverse route that, that Mark Zuckerberg thinks. Um, I'm sure he would love to be the owner of that, but that's not, I don't see that happening. I think what we're going to, what is ultimately going to happen is what Apple has hinted at will happen, which is an augmented reality kind of headset that is going to rule like anything over the AR VR. So the metaverse, in my opinion, is going to be, is not going to be a full VR experience. Um, I don't think we're, I think we're still quite a ways away from that. Um, I think the metaverse is going to be an augmented reality device, maybe glasses that you can use to augment your actual world. And I think a lot of shopping is perfect for that because it's going to be very experiential. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's lovely um, advice actually baked in there, but for the, for the sake of just being overly helpful and, and value providing uh, outside of own channel, Sina, and, and looking back on your uh, storied uh, 
career uh, in the app space. Um, <laughs> well, as a you. founder, though, what what would what would your one piece of advice be? I'm sure there's a bunch, but what would your one piece of advice be to D2C founders out there right now? Just do something. Just do something. Hmm. It would be that. Just whatever it is, even if it's a terrible idea, it's a lot better in the long run to do it than to just sit, sit there and twiddle your thumbs on whatever that next big thing is that you want to do. I think everyone listening to this knows what that is. <laughs> it's a different thing for everybody. Um, for I had my own personal things that I just wanted to do. Um, that's a whole other podcast episode, but it's yes. around like DJing and music. And that's what an avenue that I found was going to, was going to help me learning that actually helped me become a better employee of Tapcart. Um, and, and whether it's like launching that new line or, um, going with a new retail channel, I think take, taking risk and taking chance is the people who win are the people who, who take risk. Mm. That's, That's so, I just want dollars. I just want to double tap cart on that. It was so good. <laughs> Ouch. I'm sorry, Cena. I'm zinging right now, Kyle. I mean, I'm, you can hey, take uh, that into all hands. Tom, we might have to steal away from that. We're high. We need copywriters, man. Look We're out. a duo, so, you know, it's a kind of a pair. pair I don't know if we can afford both of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we work for uh, I think that that is wonderful, wonderful advice. Um, it's been a very engaging, interesting, and enlightening conversation, Cena. So from the both of us, um, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Uh, I do look forward to say, not too presumptively, I hope, but... Uh, I do look forward to um, speaking with you again and and coming more prepared with puns so that Kyle doesn't get the last laugh because that I saved that sad. the whole episode, didn't I? I did. Yeah. Oh man, just waiting patiently, just like like a an animal in the wilderness, just ready to pounce. I love that. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cena. Appreciate it. Well. That's it for this episode of Commerce Chefs. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and learned a little more about the secret ingredients behind being a delicious D2C brand. But if you're looking for more, make sure to join the Commerce Chefs community by following us on social at Commerce Chefs. Ask us questions, send in requests. We want to hear from you. We're currently cooking up the next episode of Commerce Chefs, so be sure to tune in June 30th. Remember, it's just as important to feed your ears as your mouth. Because as they say... The ears are the other mouth of the head. Lastly, if you like this episode and want to support us, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating and review. Until next time, this has been a pinch of Kyle and a dash of Tom. We'll be cooking with you in two weeks. <laughs> Wait, are you... Wait. Is that part of this or am I yeah. waiting until you're done? That's part oh, of it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, let me, I'll this do that again. Chomping down and stuff. And I'm like, when's he going to stop? <laughs> okay, here we go okay. again. <laughs>